Want the best remote engineering talent? Well, join over 300 companies who trust Turing.com to source, vet, match, and manage developers. With 2 million developers and over 100 skills, hiring high-quality engineering talent has never been easier. Enjoy a no-cost two-week trial at Turing.com today. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology. I'm your host, Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow, joined as I often am by my wonderful colleague and collaborator, Ryan Donovan. Hey, Ryan. Hey, everyone. How you doing? I'm a big Spotify fan. It's no secret. If you go back and look at my career when I was a writer at The Verge, I did a bunch of stories about Spotify. Discover Weekly is still my favorite algorithm of all time. So I'm excited Mm -hmm. today. We're getting a chance to talk with some Spotify folks, but we're not talking about music, where we're talking about developer stuff, this being the Stack Overflow podcast, we're going to be chatting a bit with them about Backstage. It's an open platform for building developer portals. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Tim and Helen to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Hey, hey. Hey. So nice to meet both of you. So just for our audience, if you could quickly, Helen, give us a quick overview how'd you get into the world of software and technology and how did you land at the role you are today? You know, and then a little bit of what is it you do today today? Yeah, I started as a software developer a bit more than 10 years ago. I used to work for industries like finance and healthcare. So pivoting to Spotify was quite a gig for me, switching to, to this new domain of entertainment and media, basically. And uh, then a little over five years ago, I moved uh, to Sweden to work for Spotify. I originally started as an engineering manager, which I am still to the date. Uh, I started with the core business of Spotify, closer to the catalog, where the music would go in, where all of the content would be adjusted. Yeah, that was me as a user of Backstage first, before switching to the team who actually builds this And then a little over two years ago, I switched to the platform function within Spotify that provides all the tooling, including backstage to the developer community within the company. Uh, So my role today is a tech manager within developer productivity area, working specifically on backstage, both externally and internally. That's what I do day to day. Like no two days are the same in a role like this, but most oftenly, I find myself somewhere in the triangle of people, process, and technology. Depending on the situation, depending on the day, you would see me in one or the other corner of this triangle. Yeah, outside of work, I, I cook a lot. I raise two kids. So that's me. Awesome. Thank you for that great intro. Tim, what is your story? How would you get into the world of software and technology? How would you land over at Spotify? And what is it you do day to day there? Yeah, so I was kind of... Born into technology, as it were. My mom and dad are both software engineers. They were back before it was cool, you know. So growing up, I always had computers around and got to toy with stuff. So kind of privileged in that way. So I've had a career over 20 years now writing software for various companies, you know, Hewlett Packard, U.S. government, finally landing in Spotify. And I started with Spotify in Sweden. So I'm from the U.S., but I relocated to Sweden and started with Spotify, lived there for a year and a half before moving back to the U.S. now. I'm based in Colorado. I've always worked in our platform organization, so always serving other developers, which I think is awesome. It's a fun career to have to have users that are you know, essentially the same as what you do day to day. You can really appreciate the struggles they're going through. <laughs> and I started 
my initial team at Spotify was working on Backstage, which wasn't called Backstage back then. It was the first product I worked on, and I really love it and think it's a huge benefit to any company. So I'm very excited to now be working on the open source side of things and distributing that out to other companies as well. Yeah. So at my last job, I encountered a problem like this, trying to create some sort of central space where you know, all the developers had all their things in front of them on one single page because there were so many, so many tools. So why did you all decide to make Backstage? The origin of it was really Spotify got into this stage of hypergrowth and we were just hiring like crazy. All these new developers were coming on and you kind of lose that institutional knowledge being widespread. So everyone doesn't know, you know, all the pieces anymore, who owns what. So it started off just as a catalog of ownership, like who owns this microservice that's breaking in prod right now? You know, who do I contact about this? That was really the, the start of it. But once we had the tool in place, we found it served a lot of other use cases as well. So one of the early things that we added on to Backstage was provisioning capacity. So you could go and create a pool of VMs for your service which was previously this process where you had to go and like file a ticket and like wait for IT and then like maybe you got what you wanted. So having it all automated was this huge draw for developers and it kind of grew from there and ballooned. Oh, I was going to say about the the service tracking. We ended up creating just a Google Sheets to do that exact same thing. That's a huge problem (laughs) within these large microservices. Yeah, that's kind of where you start from initially, you know. Spreadsheet is like the go-to. I think Spotify has this culture of autonomy where when Backstage was first created, it was kind of known that you couldn't like create this one tool that would serve everyone perfectly and be like this platform team that owns the whole thing. So from the very start, it was designed to be extensible, you know, to have these plugins where you could add functionality. So I think that was kind of key to making Backstage successful, ultimately. And Helen, how about you? What was your experience with sort of the building of Backstage or some of your early experiences using it with some of your teams? Yeah, I guess uh, it was like a cure to to never-ending <laughs> spreadsheets, in my opinion, because like every company that I would start with, my boss would hand me like the massive spreadsheet of 50, 40 tabs with like all of the systems that my team would own and be like, good luck, keep them in good shape. And this was the first instance where it was actually something a bit more structured. Like it was still early days of backstage and we didn't even call it backstage back then. It was, I guess, System Z when I joined five years ago, but it was at least like a structured web-based representation of what, like who owns what. And then as we saw, teams were like eager not only to see their software and components, but also to manage them through the same interface. And that's how, I guess, the idea evolved further. I guess I want to ask, you know, about the decision to, to make it public. But just before we get there quickly, can you talk a little bit about sort of like the tech stack, the tools, the frameworks, like what is Backstage built of or with? And is that similar to how you build everything else in Spotify or is it different? So... Our backstage that we had internally that started the process out was built on Java, GraphQL on the back end. It was originally Angular in the front end, but then converted to React sometime later. And we used like Apollo client for GraphQL communications. So it was pretty standard stack for Spotify. 
The thing that diverged is when we went open source, we changed the backend to Node instead of Java. And that's mm. fairly controversial with Spotify. <laughs> Why was that controversial? Uh, we tend to stick to kind of a subset of approved languages for specific purposes. So for backend, generally, you know, Java is preferred unless you have a good reason to deviate. In this case, we felt like we did because, you know, it gives you this holistic development experience where you can share code between the front end and the back end. It makes it easier for someone to jump into the project because you can just run it all, you know, as a single node service. We felt like it would aid contributions to the project, having it all in one language. I feel strongly that it has. Were you one of the folks who had to make the case, uh, as you said, for why you should <laughs> move away from not, Java? Fortunately. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a little bit of this awkward situation now where our internal backstage is still a little bit in the old style. So we're trying to adopt the open source project ourselves. And that's been a little bit of a messy process. And we've had to kind of sell internally like that we should be using the open source project fully ourselves and not just in some partial way. So that's been a migration that we've had to do that other companies fortunately don't have to. So why did you guys decide to open it up? I understand it from a, you know, external user like this was the solution to my problem at my last company, but why did you guys decide to let it loose? Yeah. Now you're going to have angry commenters and people asking <laughs> right. for you to fix things and clients. I mean, who, who needs that kind of headache? Yeah, this was uh, quite long in the making. I guess the, the conversation has been ongoing internally uh, about open sourcing this since maybe 2019. And back then, we at Spotify were quite active members of the open source community as well, contributing to mostly like cloud native projects. Like we've all uh, open source technology before this, uh, maybe not to the level of like backstage, but there were like various projects already. But then what really set uh, this one in motion was conversations that we had with end users in uh, some of the cloud native end user communities, as well as peer companies. Right. We realized that the challenges that scale-ups are experiencing and other like big companies like Spotify are experiencing are probably not that unique. So everyone struggles with growing their workforce, extending their teams, growing their product development capabilities and maintaining the developer productivity level, essentially. Um, and we were like, we might be onto something here. Yeah. Uh, the biggest challenge back then was to really explain what developer portal is. Because the moment you would go like, a developer portal can solve this for you. Everybody would be like, but what's a developer portal? <laughs> um, so that was, I guess, uh, the biggest challenge, just really trying to explain the concept and what it is. Because we sort of created a new product niche. It didn't exist back right. then. But then going back to 2018, I guess a few folks went to one of the cloud conferences from Spotify and they were demoing some tool from within backstage. And it wasn't the tool itself that got the attention, but it was like the, the, the backstage, the surface where we would do the demo from. And everybody was like, 
but what is it? And that, uh, that probably triggered the idea of like, yeah, if it's something that attracts so much interest uh, that we're getting so many questions on, maybe it's something that we should really put out there in the open source community and see how people respond. And going back to like the core philosophy of Spotify engineering and Spotify as a company, we truly believe in like brain trust. And the way that Backstage was built, it was like a federated ownership model that sort of created uh, the, the vast ecosystem that Backstage now is. So it wasn't one team who built this. It was the brain trust of many teams that work within Spotify. So we just thought, like, what if we put it out there? Imagine how many more teams, how many more companies would contribute to this. And at the end of the day, this would benefit Spotify, this would unlock the creativity of the community. So that was, I guess, the, the big motivation. The funny coincidence, um, like the, the timing for uh, actually putting this in the open source, it was like the discussions back and forth internally within the company. And then we had uh, Hack Week, which is a big, big deal in, in Spotify. This is uh, essentially where like the all of the business shut down and all of the engineers are just like hacking and uh, investigating and all the like new disruptive ideas. And a few folks got together to really see what backstage could look like if we were to build this from scratch today knowing what we know now, what it would look like. And that was essentially the start of Node.js backstage, the way we know it today. And it was that week in, I guess, early March when like this whole thing was created. And then we've decided to open source it. And little did we know that on the day uh, where it was supposed to go out, the office <laughs> would be shut down because of the <laughs> pandemic. It was our first day of like working from home. Oh, wow. uh, so people were freaking out, like generally, how are we going to open source it? We're not in the office. What are we going to do? <laughs> but it happened. It's funny to remember now. That's a, a lot of things happening at once. I'm glad you managed to pull it off successfully. Have you heard from any of the open source users about what they're doing with it and how it's sort of affecting their lives there? Yeah, I think we hear from open source users all the time. They kind of pop out of the word, woodwork, which surprises <laughs> us. You know, these com companies we wouldn't have imagined are using Backstage suddenly come in. They're like, we love the tool. Mm -hmm. As Helen was saying, you know, when we decided to open source it, there was this hemming and hawing, like, ah, uh, you know, is this is this going to be useful for other people? We had kind of gotten that validation from CNCF companies. Mm -hmm. But looking back now in retrospect, it's like, of course, this is something that's useful to everyone because, you know, you need to keep track of all your software. You need to provision new things using best practices. You need to be able to find stuff. This is like problems that happen at every single tech company of a significant size. So it's kind of crazy to think there wasn't some kind of solution for that before and everything was tracked in spreadsheets. And, you know, we get so many companies that are using Backstage for different purposes. Some of them just use software templates to create new stuff. Some of them are only categorizing software. Some people only use like API documentation. So you can kind of pick and choose the different pieces that are useful to your company. And that's kind of what we encourage people to do is to find like the one most painful use case and solve for that first to get buy-in rather than trying to like tackle all the problems at once. Because that's kind of how it started at Spotify. We were just trying to track ownership. And then over time, it was like builds and deployments and, you know, all these things. And we discovered the value of 
bringing all this infrastructure into one place. Was there a use case that surprised you? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple. There's <laughs> there's a lot of companies that use backstage in ways that surprise us. One is that comes to mind is Netflix. You know, they they use backstage largely for the back end, and they've kind of replaced the front end with their own design library and rewritten a lot of stuff. And we were like, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but there's other companies, you know, that are using it in ways we wouldn't have anticipated. You know, they use software templates to create PRs and add infrastructure onto existing services. And, you know, we get feature requests all the time that are just things that we don't use at Spotify and wouldn't have thought of, but are perfect uses for backstage. Yeah, I personally find joy in um, hearing about naming of uh, backstage because, like, in order to make backstage feel like it was born within the company, people like risking it sometimes or give it like different names. Uh, so in HelloFresh, for instance, they call it HelloDev. <laughs> in Zalando, People call it sunrise because like this is the start of your day for developers. So the first thing that you open in the morning. Uh, so it's fun to see how your product sort of evolves thanks to the creativity of, of people using it. The other thing that sits close to my heart is like how people measure the effectiveness of backstage. It's also like out of question for a lot of, lot, lot of those adopters, whether they should use backstage or not. It's more of a question now how to get the best out of it, like how to really maximize the investment, the return of investment from the tool. We don't actually track per se, like the measures that people, the different ways how organizations measure uh, impact for backstage, but there is a lot of appetite and interest to sort of, yeah, discover how Spotify does it. So sometimes we also share this with our adopters. I guess internally at Spotify, like how going back to the to the roots, to this initial story of how the whole thing started, it started with like the, the onboarding, the challenges that people experience during their onboarding. So that still is like one of our North Star metrics that we track, like the onboarding speed. And we measure this uh, with like few different things. Like one big metric for us is the time to tense PR, because this is what we believe sort of marks the, the successful onboarding case, the moment where engineer is able to push their tense PR to production. And historically, when we started with Backstage, the metric ballooned to be in 60 days. Believe it or not, it took like two whole months for someone on board into Spotify to be able to push their PR to Towns PR to production. And since we started with Backstage, the, the metric, like the, since we started measuring, the metric went down to 20 days now or even less when I looked once. So that's also something that we suggest that people use when they're in the hyper growth period and hiring engineers like crazy. We also look at various different signals like reviews, commits. Uh, we look at engineering satisfaction. This is a big one for us. We really want to keep an eye on like the internal sentiment. We really want to be in the forefront of developer experience. So every quarter we measure engineering satisfaction with the tool and it's been like steadily trending in the like 85, 86% of all the responses respondents within Spotify are genuinely happy using back.
backstage and their day-to-day. So yeah, don't get me started on metrics. I can go for hours. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's one thing I'm I'm really, really passionate about. So this is dangerous. Okay, great. Well, yeah, as an engineering manager, I can understand that. You want to have some solid objective metrics, both for productivity and for happiness. You don't want to have, you know, crummy bossware that's measuring keystrokes or something (laughs) like that. (laughs) So yeah, I guess one question I wanted to ask, you mentioned even from the beginning, you had this idea of plugins. How do the plugins work? You know, how many of them been created? And then obviously we want to chat a little bit about, I know there's one that works for Stack Overflow. So tell us a little bit about those plugins and and how, plug our plugin, please. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like I said, you know, Spotify is decentralized in a way. We give our teams a lot of autonomy, so you can't have some huge platform team like coming in and stomping on people and trying to be domain experts and everything. So we knew early on we wanted this to be federated in a sense and give everyone the opportunity to contribute and kind of build this platform together. So Backstage was really designed that way, both in the front end and back end, such that you know, we could go to teams who are domain experts in database backups or in builds or something and work with them to build the plugin that they would maintain in the future in order to surface these things in backstage. So it was really a process of getting teams on board to this shared platform and getting them to create the things that they wanted to see. And we found that really successful. You know, there were some hurdles in like mono repo setup and making sure teams could approve their own PRs without some gatekeepers, you know, standing in the way. But once we got everything set up and a good process in place, it really took off, you know, people. The question was, if you're building an internal tool, why would you build it as a separate website? Why wouldn't you build it in backstage? It's become kind of the standard way to expose any kind of infrastructure tooling you were making. And yeah, as part of that, I mean, we use Stack Overflow Enterprise at Spotify, and it contains tons of like Spotify-specific knowledge that wouldn't make sense on public Stack Overflow. Right. So, of course, as we built out search as part of the backstage experience, we wanted to include those Stack Overflow questions and answers. There's a plugin for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Stack Overflow for Teams, right, is often for sort of like the proprietary knowledge base that you're not going to find in a public web search that would take you to Stack Overflow or some other forum or a YouTube video. How to fix Spotify internal tool is uh, not as popular (laughs) YouTube video as you would think. (laughs) Now that you plugged our plugins, are there other ones that you think are interesting or some that you can talk about that are particularly popular? Like what do you see folks turning to a lot across the platform? Yeah, I'd say first, within Spotify, we have over 150 plugins. I think it's closer to 200 now, internal plugins that we've created long before Backstage was open source for the most part, although there's new ones cropping up every day. And they're anything from you know database control to managing your cloud resources and costs to huge chunks of our data pipeline workflows, ML you know, deployments, things like that. So we have all this power within Spotify and we're trying to get some of that into the open source. Obviously the core use cases are there and it's getting better every day, but we want to take all this stuff we built internally and make it available to other people. But as far as the open source plugins, you know, those core use cases get a lot of attention. So there's like the software catalog, which kind of keeps track of ownership and lets you associate metadata with all of your software and kind of onboard everything make it easily searchable. Then there's tech docs, which was a really interesting use case in Spotify. You know, we used to have 
documentation scattered all over like many people do. You'd have your Confluence and then you'd have some wiki over here that was made five years ago and then <laughs> comments in the code and everything just naturally got out of date and it was hard to find things. So we had this internal effort to make tech docs, which was basically co-locate your documentation as Markdown right next to your code in the same repository and then render that nicely as HTML and backstage. And this like completely took off and replaced all of our documentation tools really organically, I'd say. You know, developers just like writing Markdown much more than authoring Jira tickets or Confluence <laughs> wiki stuff, you know. And that way it just stayed up to date organically and naturally because when you're searching for code and stuff, you find this documentation in the same repo. And then we built ways to like make suggestions when you find things that are out of date, mm -hmm. you know, which automatically creates a PR and, you know, cool stuff like that. Oh, that's great. So tech docs has been a big use case. And then software templates I mentioned earlier are huge as well. Very cool. Just maybe a quick comment to add to that. Like, I guess uh, scaffolding or the software templates that Tim had mentioned, there is an interesting twist to that plugin, how it's been a way for us to instill engineering culture without, I don't know, being in the room with those engineers often, without like taking them through a specific procedure of this is how software needs to be built. It was sort of our way to instill certain standards and achieve alignment and defragmentation with that simple plugin. So once you join the company, like you already have basically a recipe, a template for how software needs to look like and what's the metadata that you need to be uh, including on the components. So that alone, I guess, saved us hours and hours and hours of uh, engineering. Yeah, that, that kind of consistency is, is super important at a big company. Yeah, I was just going to say, it, it sounds from listening to both of you, like Spotify has a, a really robust engineering culture and it's nice to hear you talk about some of the tools and practices with a certain kind of, you know, sort of passion, because it's clear that, yeah, you found solutions to common developer problems in your own unique ways. So why don't you tell folks who are listening, if they're interested in getting involved on the open source side, making contributions, checking it out, or if this they think this is something they'd want to bring into their company or organization, what's the best way to get to get started? Yeah, so backstage.io is the open source project website. That's definitely the first starting point. In the footer there, there's a link to our Discord channel that's very active. We have tons of people popping in there all the time asking questions, as well as many Spotify people and people from other companies using Backstage that are very passionate about it. We also have a website at backstage.spotify.com, which has more like Spotify opinionated blog articles and such about Backstage. So that's another great resource to check out. All right, everybody, it is that time of the show. I am going to shout out the winner of a lifeboat badge, somebody who came on Stack Overflow and uh, helped rescue a little knowledge from the dustbin of history. This is one of the funniest questions I think I've ever found. Like I said, I'm no programmer, but awarded 17 hours ago to Abu, I'm trying to update PHP Composer, but a problem arises. <laughs> I know that sounds like a vague question, but when you when you go to the, uh, I'll share this in the show notes, and when you when you go to look, you'll see Many problems. Feels like a movie Everest. trailer. Yeah, it's the setup for a, it's the setup for a PHP movie, PHP action film. There's a great answer in there that solves the problem. So thank you to Boo and congrats on your lifeboat badge. All right, everybody. Thanks as always for listening. I am Ben Popper. I'm the director of content here at Stack Overflow. 
You can find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. You can email us with questions or suggestions. It's just podcast at stackoverflow.com. And if you like the show, why don't you leave us a rating and a review? It really helps. I'm Ryan Donovan. I edit the blog here at Stack Overflow. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at rthordonovan. And if you have uh, something you'd like to see us cover on the blog, please email me at pitches at stackoverflow.com. Everyone, I'm Helen, a tech manager at Spotify. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Helen Griel. And yeah, you can find me on Stack Overflow too. I'm a happy owner of Necromant Badge. <laughs> oh, the Necromancer Badge? That's one of my favorite to shout out. Congratulations mm. to you. <laughs> and I'm Tim Hansen, senior engineer at Spotify. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Timbonicus or LinkedIn or Stack Overflow. My username is never taken, so... I very much enjoy it on all platforms. <laughs> That's great. Wow. Two Stack Overflow active users in the flesh. A rare thing indeed. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.